the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth. Thanks to Seth for giving me this opportunity and also this opportunity to talk to Colonel Kurt Schlichter. How the heck are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Great. I'm uh, I'm thrilled to be with you. Yeah, great to have you on. Uh, We couldn't connect next time because last time because you're at something called CPAC in Florida. Was it as crazy as uh, D.C. CPAC or worse? Uh, it was uh, like Animal House without the animals or the house. <laughs> I got to meet Kirsty Gnome, though. All right. We were talking about her the first hour. She can't uh, give in to the woke mob, but uh, she has uh, she has many, many fans. I hope she uh, keeps doing a good job in South Dakota other than that. Well, I, I, I think she has fewer fans than she did. Yeah, yeah. An important lesson. Right, right, early in her career. Now, uh, I want to get to something that you recently wrote, your latest piece at Town Hall. Everybody read them every week or every time they come out. I'm sure you do already. But um, a reporter was whining over the weekend, if you can believe it. That's uh, very shocking Done. for yeah, a New York Times reporter to be dumb and whiny. But uh, she was saying... I'm exhausted after going out and running errands today. Re-entry into the world is going to be difficult. And uh, she was uh, raked over the coals. Uh, Yeah, not all of us um, need to re-enter because we have lives to live. Uh, But you mentioned in your latest article, it's a great one, of course, understand that some people love the pandemic. Uh, What do you mean by that? Oh, dude, for some people, it's their Woodstock. This validates (laughs) No, they're, no they're, they're, like, excited, and they're taking the brown ass. <laughs> I, I, I mean, these guys, it's, it's stunning to me. I consider this, like, a giant hassle, um, not because I'm walking around with a face diaper around my uh, pie hole all the time. I'm not. Uh, even when I, even the rare occasions I do when I have to go in a building, it's the most passive-aggressive mask where you can imagine. <laughs> You know, it's like drooping under my nose. I had some guy on the air, some uh, uh, stewardess on the airplane kind of like going, you got to pay up over your nose. And I'm like, mm. I've already had this sissy disease, John. Uh, I got it. I, I literally abused it like the prettiest boy on a cell block. I busted it and broke it. Teeny viral uh, load. And then I, uh, uh, my body now surges with powerful antibodies. So I, I and I wasn't afraid of it before I had it. I wasn't afraid of it when I had it. I was mildly inconvenienced. I've had worse hangovers, and, um, and 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 I'm not worried. I'm certainly not worried about it now. But but dude, there are some people out there. They're like, this is the most exciting thing that has ever happened to me. Look at it. People are gathering toilet paper, and they're taking food off the shelves. Ooh, it's like Walking Dead, except there aren't zombies. I'm not going to die, and this is actually better written and more plausible. <laughs> yeah, it's just the people's reaction to it uh, is so bizarre to me. Uh, basic risk assessment is such a common yeah. part of life, 
and realizing for that normal people. Right. It, it's like less than one percent of people it's fatal for uh, the vast, vast, vast majority. I know many people have gotten it. They haven't gone to a hospital. They're like, yeah, it sucked. And then they're over it. <laughs> Just like any time yeah. you get the flu or I remember one year, me and my wife and both our girls got, we were passing norovirus around. That was the worst I ever oh. had. And I'm like, it cannot oh. be worse than that. There is no way. Oh, that, 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 that could have been flowing. Yeah, but I don't remember shutting down the country for a year because John and family got the norovirus. I remember kids going back to school when they were better and there was toilet paper on the shelves. It was amazing. We were actually, actually able to handle a virus like normal human adults. These people not realize that someday, not from coronavirus, by the way, someday they're going to pass away. And uh, it's far more dangerous to just uh, drive your car down the street than it is to uh, freak out about COVID for the vast majority of people. Well, look, there are some people who get sick from it. But, uh, you know, the percentage is not huge if you're normally healthy. Now, if you're like my father had a kidney transplant, yeah, you should take some precautions. If you're me, you know, virile, robust. <laughs> famously virile. Famously virile, I'm epically. Um, it's just not going to kill me, and there is no reason for me to act like a fool and run around. I have to find, look, like you, I'm a veteran of America's Armed Services. Uh, my specialty initially was chemical, nuclear, and biological warfare. So I kind of know what you can be infected with. And it ain't in the same league. <laughs> yeah, and ju- just the media freak out. These people, I just think it's people's pampered lives. And as far yeah. as lockdowns go, you see a lot more of them in blue states. Unfortunately, California, um, oh. New York, places like that, you have these severe lockdowns. And a lockdown, um, it doesn't lock down all people. It's basically a system where poorer people deliver fancy stuff to richer people. That, that's all oh, they are. Yes. It's like you have teachers saying, different. yeah, and teachers, I refuse to go to the classroom. And, okay, why is my bag boy an essential employee and you aren't? Well, I, I, I first of all, a public school teacher is not an essential person uh, compared <laughs> to a bag boy. Because a bag boy doesn't cause manifest damage to our society uh, through incompetence, laziness, and the inculcation of uh, uh, racist uh, uh, CRT uh, indoctrination. But let, let's, let's get beyond that. There's a lot of people for whom this is going to be the challenge of their lives. I mean, you were on submarines. That's very exciting. I was in you know, a, 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 you know, a couple of war zones. That was very, I, I wouldn't say it was fun or great, but it's something that was, you know, that's, I, I'm glad I did it because it was a an experience where you feel very differently than you do in your normal life. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the same way I was riding around with the National Guard during the Los Angeles riots. I don't want the city to burn down, but if it's got to burn down, I want to be the guy who's there to clean it up. Because it, 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 it it's something that takes you out, out of your normal world. And, and that's really what's missing for so many people, John. That's why, uh, you know, so many of these frigid wine moms are guzzling a screw-top Chardonnay from uh, Trader Joe's. They're trying to fill up their empty lives. We've been a victim of our own success. We've created society where we where hard, tough people have sacrificed a lot to remove challenges. The problem is we need challenges. You need exercise. You need challenges in your life. Or you're going to shrivel up. For a lot of people, this is the biggest challenge they will ever face. 
they will talk about what they did during the year of the plague forever. This is the most interesting thing that's ever happened to them. And for many of them, it's when they got a chance to exercise a little power carrying them. Um, for a lot of people, the virus is the best thing that ever happened to them. Yeah, it's just amazing to see that this is such a foundational experience for a lot of people. They've had uh-huh. easy lives. And my thing, too, is just you got to be safe. Everybody be safe. I don't like being safe. I'm a dude. Uh, you know, I was the kid with, you know, every summer I had another broken bone. And my parents were rushing me to the emergency room. Well, before I got to the emergency room, my dad would smack me on the back of the head. Quit being an idiot. You know, hey, yeah. I am who I am. But I, I remember my kids when we got them their bikes and uh, they were very worried. And mom said, you know, we got you helmets, too, and there were gloves and there were knee pads. Oh. And I told my kids... I said, helmets are great if you want to look really, really dorky. And then, then they never wore them. And I'm like, yes, a little victory. It's like it's, you have freaking training wheels on these bikes. You're not going to go skidding out. You're not uh, jumping over several cars. You're not evil Knieveling these things. You're riding around a damn neighborhood um, with other kids. You don't need full body armor for this. It's not that big a deal. Exactly. I Look, when I was in the Army, I volunteered for airborne school. That means jumping out of planes five times. Why did I do that? Because I wanted the cool bag. <laughs> it was cool. The chicks dug it. My chick dug it. He's right here digging it right now. Look, people need something in their lives. And we're kind of, we are a victim of our own success as a society. And what it's done is it is, it is really, in some ways, it's taken away something that's very important. Now, luckily, in quotation marks, um, we've got, you know, the Chinese and the Iranians and the North Koreans who may just give our challenge back. I mean, you know, they start playing cyber games, cut off the food and water to our big cities. You'll have all the challenge you ever wanted when the food runs out. Yeah. And that might be a re-entry that might take a little bit longer, especially if uh, North Korea gets spicy. Hey, can you? we have an ad break. Can you hold on through this break? Absolutely. All right. We are talking with Kurt Schlichter, the inimitable Kurt Schlichter. I don't know what that word means, but hey, look it up. It fits, I assure you. And uh, this is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson. We will be back after this ad break right here on 960 The Patriot. Welcome back to 960 The Patriot. This is the Seth Liebson Show, and I am John Gabriel, filling in for the great one himself. And I'm very happy to have on my old friend, really my first friend that I made when I went to one of these blogger conventions forever ago, Kurt Schlichter. Good to have you on again, sir. I'm I'm honored to be uh, part of the uh, golden circle of ex-John. Yes. And... um. You live in California. What the heck is going on with a recall? Now, they've got enough signatures. Do you think it'll be a go? Because it seems like everybody in both parties or no party is furious with the idiot. Well, let's see. You know, uh, you know, don't underestimate the power of California Democrats. You're stupid. <laughs> uh, they, they picked Governor Hairstyle, and they might just pick him again. You know, he's running on exactly what you think. Uh, this is a giant Trump plan to do Trump white supremacy of Trumpiness and Trump. Trump, me, tweet. And, and, you know, all these people are in, like, you know, wearing 15 masks or saying they're nodding, their dead eyes, you know, just kind of propped open. And it's, uh, I, I, 
look, I, I don't know. California is has become a, a, a garbage state run by garbage people. And it's pretty amazing um, that, uh, uh, you know, a, a state that used to be the symbol for the American dream has, you know, gone from golden state to the golden brown state, mostly because of the hobos, uh, you know, soiling the sidewalks. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's sad to see, too. That's the thing. I uh, had a Californian on my podcast that I recorded earlier today. And it's one of those things when I was a kid and we would pack up the family truckster and head over the border to California at Disneyland or the beaches or whatever, like typical zonies uh, flooding your state. Um, it was like the golden state, it, literally the golden state. Now it's like the tarnished gold state. It's just sad to see what it's become. Anytime I head over there, usually once a year, a couple times a year, I'll go over there for something. There's some conference or I need to visit for this or that. And it just looks worse every time. It's depressing because I'm like, man, you guys have every advantage there is to have. What are you doing to yourself? I know. You guys are like, look, I like Arizona. I'm coming <laughs> to visit Arizona. But Arizona's a freaking desert. You got dirt, and you got sky, and you got cactuses, and you got rattlesnakes. That's all you got in Arizona. We got me. That's what's important. Many holes. Well, <laughs> wonderful people. But you have holes. Many holes. Okay? California is this beautiful, natural wonderland. And people are leaving it to go to Arizona. Which, again, nice place. Wonderful people. But you guys, you know, you guys, you know, we got the ace, and you guys got dealt about the six. <laughs> yeah, but they're fleeing because they have no other choice. Um, I was saying yeah, earlier on the correct. show. Yeah, it's like all these businesses. Um, I live in a, suburb, a suburb of the Phoenix area, Mesa, Arizona. And we just got a couple new big businesses. We got uh, electric car manufacturers moved here. Intel is doing this massive expansion in Arizona, because why on earth would you be stuck in California? I, I know our governor calls uh, Gavin Newsom our economic development director because he, oh, he is just pushing businesses into our state saying, please leave my state. We don't need your taxes. We don't need your productivity. We don't need your jobs. We don't need your money. Just flee as soon as you can before I destroy you. The problem with socialism is there is no bottom. People are like, I California just has to get a little worse, and then they'll hit bottom, and like a drunk, they'll turn their life around with a 12-step program, and they'll make amends to all the people who moved to Idaho, Utah, and Arizona. That is not going to happen. There is no bottom, okay, because the goal of socialism is for socialist cadre to maintain power, and they don't care if they are reigning over California or Venezuela. In Venezuela, they're literally eating the zebras in the zoo. Now, if you're if you're a rational, normal person, and you see your people are dining on like the local, the, the livestock down at the menagerie, okay, you, you're you're going to go, huh? Perhaps we're going in an improper direction. Maybe we should change that. But that's not what they think because they don't care. All they care about is their own power. So they will double down on failure and then high five each other and call you a racist. <laughs> Yeah, that's really all they have is racism. Uh, I was talking earlier as well about well, D.C. statehood, D.C. statehood, which is there's basically 5,000 reasons against it and maybe half of one for it. And no, if you oppose it, you're a racist. It's like, guys, you have worn out this phrase. I remember 
why girls when they were younger and they went to a charter school, which means they had a ton of diversity as opposed to the public schools, by the way. Um, so much for that uh, leftist narrative. But uh, they would all jokingly call each other racist because it was so meaningless and they thought it was hilarious. Oh, yeah. And oh, you would. Oh. Yeah, it was just like a big joke to them. Uh, this is what the left has done by neutering that term. Well, you, you look what happened. That horrible, horrible thing happens in Boulder. And these guys are, like, thrilled. They're thinking, oh, my gosh, this is when I shine. White male Christian NRA to Republican Trump supporters. <laughs> yes, his name is, and they're like, oh, look, another squirrel over there. Let's go. Let's move. Boy, you have never seen a mass murder disappear from the front pages faster than it did after the uh, press conference where they said, you know, this guy's name is Awad Al-Ecici. <laughs> Tumbleweed cruising by. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, even this uh, 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 scumbag in uh, Atlanta who murdered a bunch of people, he says, well, I wasn't killing Asians. I'm just a lunatic who's killing people for... You know, they're, you know, because they're you know, making my precious bodily fluids bubble. Um, you know, this this dirtbag, and he disappoints them because he's not an anti-Asian murderer. He's just a typical murderer. Right. And typical it, it, scumbag. It, it, is, it is so unseemly and so poisonous. And, you know, I, the only thing I can do to, is mock it. Otherwise... I'm just going to burst into a nonstop stream of obscenities about how morally bankrupt this whole uh, lie about American racism is. These guys had a con- – look, I served in the Balkans, okay? I, I know what happens when everybody identifies with their own little uh, 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 check block on the, uh, on the clipboard. Uh, they murder each other and put themselves in mass graves. So why see – Fools doing that in the United States for their own short-term power, because because you know who because you know it's always these Mensheviks who are first against the wall. Right. Um, I get I, I don't just I don't just get annoyed. I get angry because this is a bad and evil thing. This is a it's not just stupid. It's a evil thing to do. Yeah, and that's what I notice too. Every time I go out, you see people run to the store, run to the Home Depot, and all people, all races, all classes, whatever, we all get along great. And I'm sorry the media um, is telling me that I must hate these people and they hate me. We all get along famously. We have no problem. Uh, media is just trying to divide Americans wherever they can, so Democrats can swoop in as the saviors who will fix what isn't broken, like Trump's immigration policy, for instance. Well, Trump, Trump was uh, Trump. Like he fixed the Middle East, he had fixed the border, and like the Middle East uh, fixed, uh, uh, the Democrats are attempting to undo the border fix, but because they can't bear to have Trump having succeeded. Right. So after, I mean, guys like you and me, you know, we're, we're ancient. I remember, you know, from the time I was a kid when Huntley and Brinkley were on, it was always the Arab-Israeli conflict. Trump, like, fixed it. Yeah. He, like, ended it. Yeah. And they're like... Well, but it was Trump, so let's wrap this thing back up. Right. Well, we got to go to the bottom of the hour break. Thanks so much for being on, Kurt. Really appreciate it. Welcome back to 960 The Patriot. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson. The final half hour, you're probably making it home for work or just relaxing after a long day. Feel free to call. we got a little bit of time left. 
1-800-848-0960 if you want to chat about our interviews or anything else in the news. I was talking about immigration and how Democrats don't understand that their policies are not popular. Um, Trump's weren't terribly popular either. Democrats are less popular. Um, you're seeing a rightward shift, especially of Latinos, uh, Latino men, especially Zapata County in Texas. Uh, it went for Trump. Um, very highly Hispanic county right on the border there. They like what they saw in four years. They all voted for Hillary last time. They all voted for Trump this past time here. So um, there's a great article that's written in the Washington Post of all places. And here's what it says. This is a Hispanic man talking about his dad. He said, Trump's image as a straight-talking businessman was definitely part of what appealed to my dad. He liked that Trump was a graduate of the Wharton School and that the former president grew up with men similar to those who worked with my grandfather. And here's the quote from his dad. We'd run into the electrical contractors union or someone else working in houses, building houses. Every single one of them talked like Trump. No big words. Everything was very, very simple. And Trump learned to do that. He learned to master that, where he can communicate. And I think that's part of the appeal of Trump. He doesn't talk like a politician robot. We've got, grown so accustomed to these robotic answers that are utterly meaningless. Uh, they appear on the Sunday show, and all they do is recite talking points. They don't even pay attention to what question was asked. They just spit out their talking points that were all focus-grouped and pre-approved, and their political consultants made sure that the wording was just perfect and just correct. And you had a guy like Trump who just talked like a human being. And uh, I think that is really the future of the Republican Party. Uh, you have these kind of the hardcore never-Trump types. Uh, Bill Kristol, boy, every time the Democrats want to push something, he's saying this is the greatest idea ever. Make D.C. a state, raise taxes, invade this country and that country. Everything they want, he thinks is swell all of a sudden. All because he didn't like Donald Trump. Uh, it's just crazy to see what has happened. Those people are not the future of the GOP, um, they are the past, and in many cases, a failed past that people are sick of. Conservatives are sick of it. Republicans are sick of it. I'm an independent. I'm sick of it. Um, all these people in the middle who never really got around to voting but then ended up voting for Trump, they're sick of it as well. They're sick of the same old crap coming out of D.C. and coming out of an entertainment, the financial industry, all these huge industries which now have formed this monoculture kind of uh, concocted in the Ivy League and then distributed out to all the big, you know, to the Amazons, to Google, to D.C., the halls of uh, politics, to the entertainment industry. People are tired of this monoculture, and uh, especially when you look at the people pushing it, have failed so repeatedly. Uh, there's a fantastic book I read recently. Martin Gurry is the author, and he predicted the Trump phenomenon, wow, four or five years before it even happened, and he did it by look, looking at what was going on in other countries around the world with all these popular uprisings. You have a lot of people, and it doesn't even matter their political affiliation. They're just seeing a whole bunch of failure at the top and all these different things. You know, the 2008 real estate bubble that burst um, in politics, um, every big ticket item that like Obama pushed or, frankly, George W. Bush pushed, most, most of them were failures. Uh, we're going to fix Social Security. That died. We're going to fix health care. That died. Um, they are not able to uh, retain the title of elite if everything they do does fails. And I think more and more that is going to enter politics. And this isn't a partisan thing. It's going to happen in Democratic primaries and Republican primaries. People want um, individuals 
who go, go out there and get things done and don't talk a bunch of bull, don't have a lot of polished talking points, but can talk to the American people. Uh, the good thing for conservatives are we have limited government goals. We usually aren't the ones saying we are going to recreate health care. We're going to create this massive government program because we know those fail. Um, what they need to do is just maximize freedom for people again and again. That will get the votes. Um, and we're not just talking about, well, GOP only appeals to white males. Well, 2020 proved that very wrong. This man that I quoted from um, is a perfect example of this. Um, we need to make sure that these working class people are helping to lead the future and not just uh, play into uh, cynical consultants in D.C. and trying to steal their votes, essentially. No, these people are going to be leading the party, and uh, a lot of those idiots in D.C. need to learn to follow for a while. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth Liebson. I'll be back in a few. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel. That was a personal request I made, thanks to uh, our producer for uh, setting, setting that up for me. A little Joy Division here. Uh, yes, I'm a Gen Xer, and you can tell from my Joy Division standing. Um, other news. Um, really, it's just kind of depressing to look at the news recently because everything is about racism. Everything. It doesn't matter what the subject is. Uh, Man, Dr. Seuss, they made that about racism. It's like, is there anything they can stop making about racism? Well, this time we have blue-on-blue blue action uh, with Democrats attacking Democrats. Um, yeah, you're having a situation here where Tammy Duckworth, she's a senator from Illinois, and Maisie Hirono, perhaps the dumbest uh, person in uh, the Senate, she's from Hawaii, and uh, they are very upset that Biden's cabinet picks are not diverse enough. Uh, they are of, here's the new category, AAPI is their category, which is Asian American and Pacific Islander. I don't know why they put these two groups together, but um, I guess everybody needs a cool acronym these days. But they're saying they're going to vote against everybody who isn't an Asian American or a Pacific Islander that uh, Biden puts up. Um, it must be so exhausting to live like this. I, I cannot imagine dividing all my neighbors, all my coworkers, everyone I meet in life by their pigmentation, by their skin color, by their religion, by their gender, by their sexual preference. How do these woke people get through a day? It's just the amount of energy they spend on these issues is absolutely shocking. Um, I, I saw uh, no standing for AAPI Americans when... Uh, all sorts of them were in the cabinet for Donald Trump. Um, that that was still problematic because Trump picked them, I guess. But man, just to Cuisinart everybody into a bunch of identities. And uh, I, I don't know. I really don't know how they keep up, especially because all these categories change constantly. Um, yeah, I didn't realize Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders were supposed to be the exact same thing. Uh, I never thought they were. And uh, an immigrant from India or a third-generation gener immigrant from Korea, or S American Samoa. They're all individuals. They're different people. And to lump them all, oh, they represent this category. No, they don't. They represent their own uh, beliefs, their own backgrounds, uh, their own life experiences, their own uh, work experience as well that would qualify them for these jobs. And how you can just divide everybody into this is crazy. And I'm seeing this, frankly, with my daughters. It's something I've always tried to remind them. I mentioned earlier in the show, one is a junior in high school, one is in their first year of college. 
and I always tell them, I'm like, okay, um, somebody's race or somebody's sexual preference or whatever, that's the least interesting thing about them. Uh, who they are as people, that's what's interesting. That's what should interest you. And uh, do do not divide people into groups. Everybody's an individual. We're all made in the image of God. And uh, yeah, that's what makes people interesting. I, I want to hear your thoughts about issues. I want to know about your experiences in life, uh, what you've accomplished professionally, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I don't divide my friends into, oh, he's the Hispanic guy. Oh, that lady is the black woman. Come on, people. We're American. We're mutts. We're from all over the world. We're a mix of every race that has ever been around <laughs> in uh, world history, basically. Uh, we came here because we wanted to survive and make a better life for ourselves. That's what interests me. Are you an American or not? Cool. Let's chat. Let's find out what you're willing to do to help out your community, to help out your friends, your coworkers, your family, whatever it is. Oh, my gosh. It just must be so exhausting to sit uh, with this wokeness meter on 24-7 all the time. It's crazy. And I really think when we get to this calling people racist or sexist or transphobe or whatever, when you get into this, the people who are most at risk for this cancel culture are the left. It's people who can't keep up with all these categories. We're seeing it again and again. The editor of Teen Vogue um, is a black woman. She was fired. Because they said when she was 17 years old, she tweeted something that they interpreted as anti-Asian. Um, so you have a bunch of white staffers firing a black woman as their editor because they said when she was 17, she said something impolitic. It's just absolutely crazy. It's insane. But the left is eating itself with this stuff. As for the rest of us, um, I don't know. I, when you meet regular people, we're just trying to get things done and make our lives better and make others' lives better. And we don't have time to worry about the um, proper lexicon for this week because these titles change constantly. Um, the people who are in real trouble are those who live in Manhattan and work as editors for magazines and newspapers and news channels. Uh, they are killing themselves, basically. They're destroying themselves. Hollywood is destroying itself. Every other day there's another scandal coming on from some celebrity and a lot of these scandals are probably one actor jealous about another actor, so they release to the press some dirty laundry about that person. Uh, they want to get ahead. They aren't doing it out of wokeness. They're doing it to punish people who might be their competition. Um, the left, you guys have made your own bed. Enjoy it. Uh, as for the rest of us, we'll just stay out of it. We'll let you slap each other around constantly, berate each other, out each other. As for the rest of us, just keep on keeping on, doing a good job, loving your kids, <laughs> you know, doing the daily work. Uh, they can't cancel you for that because we're the ones keeping this country running. Um, and thank goodness we have a federalist system where you can have different parties controlling different states and having different policies and outcomes. That's what we're seeing with California, fleeing to Arizona, to Nevada, to Texas. That's what we're seeing with New York, fleeing to Florida. Um, I think I mentioned earlier in the show, I have so many friends now who used to be in New York or Connecticut or New Jersey heading down to Florida and saying, oh, my gosh, I can actually own a gun. I can say what I think. I, I don't have to be uh, absolutely destroyed by these horrible taxes for all the beauty of living in New Jersey, of all places. There's some nice places in New Jersey. It gets a bad rap, but a lot of it, not so great, especially the places just outside of New York City. So... These Democrats, um, I really think, uh, as much as we hear from the media, the GOP is dead, conservatism is dead, 
Um, I think progressivism, well, we know it will fail because their policies are horrible and they just simply do not work. But more and more we're seeing the Democratic Party just falling into the same mistakes that they have made in the past and that it's just going to tick people off. And the media is encouraging them to go even further into the progressive mode. Um, you have very few politicians like a Joe Manchin or even in some respects a Kirsten Cinema, who know, you know what, yeah, I'm going to vote with the Democrats on the big issues, but man, I better, <laughs> I better oppose them on some things or I'm going to get destroyed in the next election. Uh, Democrats have to be a little more shrewd than this, and for supposed to be, they're supposed to be the smartest people in the room. They are not acting like it. They are running scared, and that's why they're trying to change voting laws. They know that the American people do not like their policy proposals, and uh, they're trying to rig the system basically so they never lose an election again. It's not going to work. Uh, the American people have the final say still, uh, despite strong headwinds. People trying to shut us up and shut us off. But we have the say, and that is the great thing about 960 The Patriot. We can hash out some ideas, hash out our thoughts, organize ahead of time. And uh, in 2022, we need to uh, win the House and Senate back. We're going to be going to a quick ad break and then a couple minutes on the other side. Talk to you then. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show on 960 The Patriot. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth. As I said at the start, I will conclude at the end. I uh, am the editor-in-chief at ricochet.com. Great site to chat. Good community there. Um, Also host a podcast called The King of Stuff and write for the Arizona Republic where every commenter on that site hates everything I stand for, uh, which always entertains me. I don't know why it gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling when uh, people challenge me. Maybe uh, Governor Kirsty Noem should uh, realize that you shouldn't fold to these people. Um, Just enjoy it. the reason they attack you is because they're frightened that other people agree with you and they want to silence your voice. Don't let them silence your voice. It's not worth it. And, uh, heck, I'll eventually get canceled, but it's okay. I will have had a good a good run with it. Um, so it's interesting to see. Um, news from Arizona, uh, Governor Ducey has opened up vaccinations to every age group now. Um, and we're doing pretty well with that stuff. Um, if you want to get a vaccine, it's available. I know some people don't want it. I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know. I, I don't want to be doing these vaccine passport stuff. And as uh, Kurt Schlichter said earlier, I'm just not afraid of getting it. If I get it, I get it. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that big a deal. I'm not in the at-risk categories, and I think it'll suck, and then it'll go away, and then that'll <laughs> that'll be it. It just does not seem like a life-altering event uh, despite the media, the media's utter hysteria over it. Um, in any regard, we have to end any kind of lockdown, any kind of uh, space limitations for restaurants and stores. Enough with the masks. I'm so tired of the masks. I had to get an eye checkup today, and I thought I forgot my mask, and then I found it buried in my car. It was probably old and nasty, and I'm probably sick now because I wore it, because I, I don't know. I don't know how long that sucker has been sitting around in the car. Uh, but we need to stop with the masks already. Enough. If you want to wear one, if you're at risk, knock yourself out. But uh, as far as mandates go, it's getting a little old. I had the opportunity to visit, uh, drive around rural Arizona. I think it was two weekends ago. No one was wearing masks out there. Went through Globe, Safford, and points around and beyond those places. Uh, I had to go into a Walmart one day. People wore masks there because, man, the Walmart staff was all over people. Everybody had a mask on there. 
nowhere else did I see any anyone with a mask on. And guess guess what? Uh, we uh, every few months drive around rollers on it. It's been like that the whole time, and they haven't had huge outbreaks. So um, our overreaction to uh, this virus. It's a bad thing. Anybody who suffered from it or uh, certainly have passed away from it, it's a sad, tragic thing. But we can't shut down society for these things. Um, So be bold. Be strong. uh, Speak on your beliefs. Do it with a smile. And uh, then I'll just drive the progressives a little more crazy. Thanks again to Seth Liebson for inviting me to guest host for him. It's always a privilege to do that, to chat about what I think, talk with some of you. Have a wonderful evening. And you'll be back on the air checking in 960 The Patriot tomorrow, The Seth Liebson Show at 3 p.m.